Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors, fisherman extraordinaire, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Terry, I love it when you have me leave me in with those big titles. It's fantastic. Well, see what a week on the beach in Florida does for me? It puts me in a good mood. <laughs> I like it. Let's, let's keep it that way. I, I really enjoy it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you are a great contributor, Nate. Gosh, how long have you been doing a regular segment on the show now? You know, I, I really I need to sit down because I, I believe this is my 21st year as a guide in Colorado, and the radio has to be 12, 14 years, I guess, or t- I, I don't know, but uh, I, I am very thankful to be a part of it, that's for sure. I know. You started coming on just as a occasional guest, and next thing I know, I couldn't get the microphone out of your hand. So <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I know that I was living in Minnesota when I was calling in as a guest, and I was in Minnesota when I was, you know, 19 years old. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a while, Terry. Yeah. All right, my friend. So, what's going on? You know, we get this weather. It's on again. It's off again. It's on again. We got boat ramps that are opening. All the front range courses pretty much open, and the mountains are starting to go. So, what are you hearing and seeing? You know, Terry, we got a lot of stuff going. So I'm down here at Chatfield. We have our catch rate event today, so we're excited to be here. Uh, we've seen right now today, we've seen some huge carp coming in as they're going into their, their first wave of the spawn. Uh, we've had a lot of walleye getting weighed in today, which we're exciting about. Uh, some great bass, or excuse me, some great trout. And the trout are mixed. We have holdovers that have been in this fishery for a while. We got a ton of fish that were recently stocked, so lots of trout action, and then some really good bass kind of getting into that pre-spawn phase. So a lot of fish here at Chatfield. Just excited to be here at Catch Rate. Uh, we got great weather, so so excited about that. We also want to always kind of give a shout out to everybody. We're here at Chatfield at North Boat Dock. We're out in the water checking anglers and doing that kind of thing, but our weigh-in is right in the North Boat Dock parking lot. Uh, the event goes till three, so our award ceremony is probably three fifteen, three thirty. We encourage people if you want to come down here and talk to anglers and see what was caught today, come on down to the Chatfield North Boat Dock. We'll be here getting that weigh-in probably three fifteen, three thirty, uh, and you can talk to the anglers, hear, hear what's working, hear what caught fish. Uh, so we're excited about that. So so that's kind of the the word right here, um, and then kind of just the bulletin on what's happening before we actually talk about the bites. 11 Mile opens for boating today. Antero is open, uh, so we're excited about that. And then, again, it's almost a, a weekly basis. Of all the other fisheries are starting to open ramps and open to boating. Uh, you know, Blue Mace has been open, so a lot of cool things happening and definitely a lot of action out there. Uh, and with the, the opening of some of the mountain lakes, you know, we're seeing some tremendous trout fishing, seeing some big pike fishing. Uh, so everything's happening. It's, it's exciting to be a part of it. Oh, it really is. It's kind of start to pick. And, you know, I, I, I complain once in a while when we get the rain and we're even going to get a little snow in the mountains on the next couple of days and then it's going to warm up again. But we're going to turn this corner and it's going to be more nice than than it is. They're going to be wet or cold and uh, we're going to be glad we had this moisture. But in the meantime, how is it affecting the fishing? You know, Terry, I would say that looking at the weather and how it's going to affect things, the only fish that I'm really seeing an effect on is going to be the bass. So walleye are now postponed enough 
you know, our, our daytime surface temperature is brushing in the 60s. Um, our walleyes are post-spawned enough, and they're starting to come on structure to where the live bait rigs, the jigs, all of those techniques are working. And we're far enough along that even when that cold front hits tomorrow, it's not going to affect those fish. Where that walleye bite will continue during the storm and will bounce back immediately after the storm. So, really, it's great to see on the walleye side. Um, again, the trout thrive in that cold water. It's so not going to see an issue on that, especially down here on the front range. Um, the bass is there kind of in that pre-spawn state. They're in that kind of sensitive, you know, era of the of the springtime um, to where those fish will get affected. So your largemouth, smallmouth, you know, when you get those big cold fronts like that, they're going to retreat, retract to a little bit deeper water, um, and it will shut them down kind of during the storm and then slightly after the storm. Um, so you can kind of anticipate that, but they should bounce back pretty quick as, you know, obviously I think our weather will warm up, uh, you know, pretty quick as it normally does this time of year. Um, and then the mountain fisheries, the pike kind of go through their spawn phase regardless of weather so it's not going to have effect uh, on the spawning situation of those pike and it definitely does not have uh, an effect on the big rainbow so as far as things go we've made it into the spring long enough to where other than the bath i don't really anticipate any major changes i know as far as my schedule and you know booking trips and how i'm going to handle things i'm not seeing a major effect with with the storm coming in this week so that, that's a good thing so um, are you seeing the water temperatures fluctuate much? I mean, I know we've had 80-degree days, and we've had some really warm weather, and then we're, we might even get close to freezing here on Tuesday. You think, are, are the water temperatures going up and down? You're saying you're still catching fish, but is it changing your approach on some of those days? You know, on, on the walleye, we're not seeing uh, seeing a change in the effect. We're, we're catching them on jigs and rigs. Definitely on the days that the storm front's here and you're getting the, the barometric pressure change, we definitely see some more reaction doing better than the typical thing. So, like right now today, if you come out here at Chatfield, we have anglers weighing fish that are doing live bait rigging. They're using leeches and crawlers. They're on structure. They're driving live, dragging live bait rigs. We also have a lot of anglers doing well on jigs. As that storm hits tomorrow, you can be a little bit more aggressive with the jig, a little bit more reactionary type fishing, and that's going to produce more fish. So we do see slight change of tactics, but obviously our, our surface temperature will change quite a bit. Um, but in a, in a post-spawn state, our walleyes were in very shallow water, and those shallow waters fluctuate drastically, which caused the fishing to change. But most of the walleyes we're catching like today, you know, they're in 14, 16, 18 feet of water. So the temperature change isn't quite affecting them as much um i will say though at like chatfield today our biggest change is this water has has came up right around three and a half vertical feet in the last seven days so in seven days we've came up again three and a half vertical feet uh and that's obviously all runoff all rain snow water um and that water getting delivered is cold so i would say more than the the you know air temperature we're definitely getting an influx of cold water into the reservoir uh they definitely can change things and cool it down but for the most part again other than the bass i think we're going to see through the storm uh we was pretty minimal effects on the fishing in the front range and then being the species in the hills i don't think we're going to see an effect there uh so that's exciting now with the trout up in the mountains um you know even though we're shore fishing from spinny we're on boats at 11 mile at antero now um i will say that we are seeing those fish wrap up their spawn so all the rainbows um, you know, your real natural fish will go up in the river to spawn, uh, but your stocked fish will spawn on shorelines, coves, uh, and that spawn was going really strong in late April.
April, early May. Uh, we are seeing those fish. That's pretty much 100% wrapped up. And those fish are retreating to a little bit deeper water. So the typical, you know, like South Park trout or, or your trout really any of those mountain fisheries in that shallow water, they, they spawn in very shallow water on shore, you know, three, four, five feet of water. And then when they're in a post-spawn state like they are right now, they generally drop down a little deeper. So we're seeing these fish in about 10 to 14 feet of water. So whether you're on shore and you need to find a steeper shoreline to cast out to that deeper water or wade out, um, or you're in a boat looking for them, you can 100% anticipate those trout being slightly deeper, say, today than they were a week ago or, or 10 days ago. So that is one change that I think we've seen as trout. And it's not a weather thing or a temperature thing. It's 100% the fish moving into a post-spawn state opposed to a spawning state. So we've seen that. Uh, and same thing with the pike, pretty much. Your pike spawn, mud flats. They spawn in fairly shallow water, say four to seven feet of water, where we see a lot of the pike kind of going through the spawn process, sometimes even shallower. Um, and when those fish are done spawning, they retreat to deeper water as well, and sometimes even deeper. We see the pike a lot of time in an early post-spawn state as deep as, you know, 12 to 18 feet of water. Um, so, again, if you've been seeing fish in shallow water, again, they're in that spawn phase, they will retreat to that deeper water. So if I'm pike fishing like 11 mile, like I will be a lot this week, um, I'm going to anticipate fishing for the post-spawn fishes because they're the easiest to catch, they're the most aggressive. So I'll, my overall depth will be 12 to 18 feet, and those fish will almost always be suspended, uh, you know, say anywhere from 10 to 14 feet below the surface uh, over 12 to 14 or 12 to 18 feet of water uh so it's really kind of key as an angler to understand where those fish are at why they're there and obviously that leads to how you're going to attack you know, what tactics you're going to use to catch them uh and just overall how you're going to create the success on the day in the water for those species i have a couple of quick questions for you one is a uh, chat field you said the water's come up have you heard any indication of whether they feel maybe they don't know if the runoff will be good enough how much they plan on filling. You know, they've done that expansion, but they haven't filled it yet. And have you heard any update on the boat ramps that's spinning? So so right now at Chatfield, they, they are planning on going above the what we would call the old normal. So I would say you can 100% count on it being higher than the old normal. Uh, as far as what level it will reach on the new expansion, we're not sure. Uh, but right now I'd say the runoff is good. I know that they are not releasing a lot of a chat field they're holding. Um, so with that being said, there's obviously still a lot of water to be held uh, upstream from here in, in all the reservoirs. You know, as far as Strontia Springs, uh, as well as Cheeseman and 11 Mile. Uh, I have not got an indicator. I was hoping to have word. I had a call yesterday, and we still haven't heard. I can tell you that spinny came up kind of substantially uh, over the last week since the last time we talked. It is still not enough to launch boats, but if, if that was any indicator of how much water is being held, I would say things are looking better than worse uh, with this runoff. And obviously getting more moisture this week, uh, it's definitely not hurting anything by any means. So I, I do think that, that there's good hope for spinny, uh, but at this time I do not have a, a date or, or an idea of when we'll see that, that boating happening up there. Now, you, I want to ask you a quick question, too, about your your catch rate event at Chatfield. You said you're seeing some holdover trout. Any of substantial sizes? I don't think people understand how big some of those trout at Chatfield get. You know, so far today, we haven't seen anything huge. You know, we get those fish in that, like, 17-inch range, 18-inch range. Um, 
But I can tell you from what I saw this spring during some of our night fishing trips and some of the stuff we saw earlier this year, um, the biggest trout I've seen this year out of here is 25 inches. Um, But honestly, Terry, if somebody sent me a picture and a video or somebody weighed in uh, a 28 to even 30-inch rainbow, by no means would I would say that would come to a surprise to me. Um, I mean, this fishery has a lot of fish in it. It has age. It has food. You have major inlets coming in. I mean, obviously, you have the South Platte coming in. So, so there are some big fish on this Front Range waters. And I will say they are much like anything else. You know, when you put in a, a small stalker-sized rainbow, they're feeding on bugs. They're feeding on anything they can get their hands on, um, you know, at, at an early state. As they develop in age and they start in that 20, 22 inches, they start getting that maturity level and they switch to a, a pretty solid shad-based diet. When they switch to that, it's high protein. They grow up quick. Um, And I don't necessarily want to say that they get overly smart, but they obviously do get educated. So um, I think a lot of trout anglers, you know, are are hoping for for random fish coming through and and they build patterns. Uh, But those big fish are very much in tune to a shad forage. And you would almost fish those big rainbows, much like a walleye, you know, understand where the shad are at in the water column and anticipate those trout being just below the shad bait or bait balls or shad piles um, and target them that way. But there are some very large trout in here. And there's also some huge browns that I think are probably the most overlooked species here at Chatfield. Um, There are some browns in here that will knock your socks off. That's for sure. All right. Last question. If you had, if you're going to go fishing, you could only go one place yet today or tomorrow before this storm really comes in, where would you go? You know, Terry, that's a tough question right now. I mean, my, my heart near and dear that now that Antero or excuse me, that 11 mile open today, post-spawn pike are so fun. I mean, I think everybody dreams of a, of a big 40 inch pike and in Colorado, we get, you know, drastically larger than that. Um, our pike are well-fed, well-educated. When they are in a post-spawn state, they are angry. They're aggressive. I think the the easiest big pike catch of the year comes right now in the, the week to two weeks following the spawn. So, you know, before that storm comes in, I would say pike fishing has have to be pretty high on my list. But as these walleyes are approaching structure, you're very much like me, Terry, where you can put a jig rod in our hands and go out and have a great day of catching a lot of walleyes. You know, we haven't done it in, you know, several months with the ice cap. Throwing jigs for walleyes in shallow water is also very high on my list right now as far as what I would do this afternoon or tomorrow. All right, my friend, if they want more information, where do they find you? Absolutely. Go to our Facebook page, Tightline Outdoors, or our website at tightlineoutdoors.com. We would love to uh, chat with you, get you on our boat, get you on the schedule. Uh, and as always, we have our catch rate schedule on our website and there. Uh, we have our day event today. Then we move into our weekday events for about the next uh, 10 events. So excited to have everybody out. And, yeah, just give us contact, follow our feed. And, uh, yeah, hopefully everybody gets out and has a, has a good day on the water. All right. We will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, Terry. Thank you. Are you at Nate Zielinski. We're going to take a quick time out and we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about, talk a little more fishing and maybe fishing gear, what you need to get, how you need to get started, and how much money you might need to spend on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range. In fact, let's go to one of those locations right now. Um, Casey. Prather from, I believe, Casey, you're at the West Loveland store, aren't you? Yes, Terry, that's correct. Yeah, we're right here in West Loveland off of Eisenhower and uh, Wilson, just on the northwest corner there. 
And I believe that's the newest store in Jack's lineup, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. We've uh, we haven't even been open at this location uh, quite a year yet. Right, and you're right there. For people who don't know, as you're going through Loveland, now they have another store in the east eastern part of Loveland. But as you're going out west, if you're headed up towards the Big Thompson, you're going to see a big store on your right hand side that uh, you can't miss it. And if you're into the outdoors, if you're headed up in the mountains to go outdoors, you want to stop there first. Casey, you and I have talked off and on over the last few weeks. And I know you're yeah. really an avid angler. You're an avid outdoorsman, but you're an avid angler. I want to talk a little bit about fishing equipment. But before we do that, we've been talking about, you know, this changing weather, what's going on. Right now, as an angler yourself, what are some of the places you're hearing about and that you would probably want to go to in the next day or two? Oh, yeah, me personally, you know, I'm looking to get to some of these uh, North Park area, uh, a little bit higher elevation lakes. You know, they're uh, basically just kind of fresh out of ice out and uh, all the trout fishing up there. This is probably about the best time of year to do some of that trout fishing right after ice out. Now, when you go up to the North Park Lakes, because you have a variety of ways you can, you know, Lake John, you can fish by any means. The Delaney's are flies and lures only. And then you've got, of course, like Big Creek and you've got Cowdery. What way do you like to fish when you go up there? Um, you know, typically, um, I'm fly fishing. Um, I do, uh, from time to time run some conventional tackle, mostly, uh, mostly lures though. Uh, I, I like spoons like daredevils, cast masters, do a little bit of crankbait stuff, but primarily, uh, fishing, uh, by means of fly fishing and everything from, you know, throwing dries with a floating line to, uh, little bit bigger streamers on, uh, you know, different sinking lines uh, and whatnot. Let's talk a little bit about the equipment. You know, North Park's a great example because um, you could go to, um, you could go to Lake John, which is fishing quite well right now, and it's full of stock trout, and you could get, you could fish there with power bait or salmon eggs or if you depending on your skill level or you could throw the lures you mentioned. If you go to the Delaney's you're gonna to have to use either lures or flies. And there's just a variety, including the rivers up there. And I don't I even like coming back to North Michigan, but North Michigan Reservoir, yeah. I believe, is closed right now because they're doing some work. But the the streams up in that area, the the Michigan River and the North Platte, there's just a lot to fish up there. Let's start as a fly fisherman, <clears throat> you know. If I wanted to get into fly fishing 25 years ago, you either bought a cheap, inexpensive fly rod that didn't cast very well, or you had to spend like five, $600 to get a top of the line that probably was a little hard for you to maneuver. That's not the case anymore, is it? No, no. Really, the technology in uh, the development of the rods has come a long ways, and uh, it's a lot more forgiving um, there's a lot more of a variety of different types of rods to handle different situations. And, you know, a good um, medium flex rod is going to handle, you know, most everything for most people and probably a better rod for uh, beginner casters to start out with just because it's a little more forgiving uh, to the casting process, which, you know, does take some practice. So how much do I have to spend to get a decent fly rod that, is going to be suit me well and I can use for years? Uh, you know, we can get you into a combo, um, which is going to include backing, line, a leader, and uh, a reel, of course. 
Um, essentially, you could take these packages and uh, slap a fly on there, and you'd be fishing. And they're going to start, um, you know, as low as about 165, and then we carry a little bit higher end combos, getting up to the three, 330, 340 range. Um, really, the majority of them are going to be in that 175 to 225 range, which for a rod nowadays is is uh, you know quite a deal. And I assume those are like TFO and Reddington, those type of brands. Yeah, yeah, we carry combos um, from Reddington, TFO, as well as Orvis, and uh, really something to, to suit about everybody's needs. And, you know, if you're looking to do something other than, you know, just trout fishing, uh, we offer these combos in uh, heavier line weights to where you could go after largemouth or pike or really about anything you want to want to throw a fly at. And those are really reputable brands and good rods. They can be a lifetime fly rod for you if you want it. But if you do want to move up and your casting skills get better, you guys also have St. Croix and you said Orvis. So you can really cover the entire gamut, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, nowadays, you know, you can spend really about as much as you'd like to on a fly rod. You know, they can get up towards uh, $1,000 or more. But, you know, the thing to remember is it's it's that's not always necessary, you know, especially if you're just getting started. Well, I want to switch to the conventional gear. We've talked to you guys a lot. You guys always have a lot of combos. You know, a lot of people are starting out with combos, and they come in and they get an inexpensive combo probably for 20 or $30, and they really fish pretty well for the first few months or first year you have them. Depending on how much you fish, you might even get two or three years out of them, depending on them. But then a lot of people realize they want to get something they're going to maintain and keep for a little while. But you don't have to spend just a ton of money to do that. I mean, you've got some pretty nice rods and reels. Like the Fluger President, what's that, around $50 for a reel? Yeah, for the reel itself, it's about 50 And then they do a combo that's really only about 75 to $80. And I'll tell you, that Fluger President, I have a bunch of those. Uh, they were a sponsor in the past, and they sent me a bunch. I fish with them all the time. It's got a lot of ball bearings, got good anti-reverse. They come in a variety of sizes, and they're a reel that'll last the average angler a long time compared to maybe a less expensive combo, won't they? Oh, absolutely. I've got some uh, at, at home that I've had for well over a decade. Yeah, they're just great. Great rods, and if you want a little better rod to pair with that, uh, you carry what Fenwick makes a great line of rods that aren't priced out of the out of sight either. No, no, absolutely, yeah, we carry Fenwicks, and you know you can get into a Fenwick around oh forty five fifty dollars, or if you want to look at something a little bit on the higher end, um, you know up towards uh, you know the low hundreds, one hundred and twenty five, um, and then in that price range as well, you kind of get you know, your starting St. Croix rods, as well as uh, we do carry some of the conventional stuff from Temple Fork Outfitters as well. Yeah, and so it's kind of all over the board. I think the best thing for people need to come in and talk to you guys and explain, you know, if they're just a weekend angler who maybe goes out two or three times a year, maybe they don't need more than that combo. But if they really want to get serious and fish a little better, make better presentations, they're going to put some wear and tear on a rod and reel, you know, you can spend a little more, but you don't have to break the bank. I've 
I would take one of those Fenwick rods or one of those St. Croix rods and a Fluger President reel, and I'd fish any tournament out there. I'd feel confident that I had good gear. And, you know, the other thing, uh, Casey, is that you mentioned the technology in fly rods. Well, what you get in a conventional rod now for 50 to to $100 used to cost two, $300. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's come a long ways. So we are out of time, though, Casey, but you just have, you have, how is the supply? Last year it was difficult to get stuff. Do you have a good stock of rods and reels right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think as most people are experiencing, you know, there's still a little bit of a delay in some of the shipping and whatnot, but uh, we are fully stocked. We've got uh, uh, two full aisles of rods, and we've got more upstairs. Um, You know, the big thing, I think, is just to have them come in. You know, we're all fishermen as well, and, you know, if they uh, come and talk to us, let us know kind of what they're looking to do. Um, you know, we can always find something for them to suit their needs. Right. And, of course, stores up and down the front range. But if they want to talk to you and maybe even talk to you about some of the places you love to fish, are you at the store today? I am. I'll be here all day till about 5, a, uh, 5 p.m. All right. All right, my friend. Great information. Thanks for joining us. Casey Prather. Thanks, Thanks Casey. Terry. You bet. Casey Prather, you know, the the idea here, folks, is that you don't have to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to get good fishing gear. I have more rods than I can count. I've been very fortunate that I've had sponsors that have taken care of me. But a lot of the stuff we talked about are the very things I fish with. The technology's there. I have $400 reels and multi-hundred-dollar rods. I don't fish with them that often. They're great, but I tell you what, a, a good solid reel like that president, a, a decent rod, and you've got a, an outfit and maybe a couple, maybe an ultralight and a medium, maybe a, a bait casting rig that you can outfit yourself to make just a variety of presentations. So stop by Jack's, any of the locations, talk to the guys. They have great prices and great inventory. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Ronnie Castiglione from uh, Fishful Thinker is going to join us, and we're going to talk patterns to go out and use those rods to catch some fish right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones and joining us from Fishful Thinker is Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing well and I was thinking because I was looking at your notes about spring and rising water and when i lived in minnesota and we you know fished extensively up there if the water level changed one or two feet we were in panic mode ronnie we had no idea what to do i mean because it those are all natural lakes that are they're maintained by the water table and the rivers and unless we were having a flood the water didn't change so as fishermen we paid attention to the temperatures and we paid attention to um, the seasons and, you know, those type of things. But we really didn't necessarily consider water levels. A lot of people in Colorado have moved here from different areas. And now they're getting into fishing because of COVID or they've just moved here and they're fishermen already. And all of a sudden they go to these lakes and the lake they were fishing last a few months ago is 20 feet shallower or deeper than what they're used to. And now they have to add that into where springtime, the temperatures are changing. What do you do, Ronnie? 
Well, it can definitely move your fish around, Terry. There's no doubt about that. And like you mentioned, here in Colorado, we're primarily fishing a lot of reservoirs that do fluctuate every single year. You know, May in general seems to be the time of year here in Colorado where where the fish are on the move for a variety of reasons. You know, they're, they're coming shallower because the water's warming up and they're getting more active. A lot of the fish are maybe pre-spawn at this stage, if you're talking about the bass and the panfish and things like that. The walleyes are post-spawn now, and, and they're tending to be moving around the lake as well. So we see a lot of fish transitioning right now, which means they're kind of moving from particular areas of the lake that they were in winter or early spring, and they're, they're moving towards their late spring areas that they want to be in and so as an angler you know you have to deal with that first of all terry you have to deal with the fact that the fish behavior and the fish are wanting to move and then you have to deal with the fact that the waters are are going up like you're mentioning you know water levels at horse tooth right now are going up six to maybe 12 inches a day and the lake's going to be full here pretty quick and and Boyd here within the next few weeks is probably going to be getting water in it as well and it's going to go up a a, a good clip as well and really change the whole topography of the lake so as anglers we've got to adapt to that situation we've got to get out on any given day and assess you know what has the water done has the water gone up and really it's it's about covering water this time of year terry it's about throwing presentations that allow you to cover water and trying to locate where these fish are, where they're moving to, and, and kind of get in front of them so that you're fishing where the fish are coming to and not fishing where the fish were last week but where the fish are coming to this week. Well, I think another thing, even last year, you know, a lot of uh, – over the years I've kept a log at times that I'd say, you know, at this date I was on this lake and I was catching these fish using this technique and all that. When I came to Colorado, I kind of started making notes and memorizing things, but I kind of threw the dates out because our weather is so volatile here, but also because I didn't want to fish memories where I thought, okay, I caught walleyes or bass at this location last spring because the water level at that same date last spring isn't going to be what it is this spring. I mean, we have trends, but you really have you hit it on the nose when you said you really have to assess that day's situation don't you absolutely because it can change rapidly and really when i really started you know guiding here in the state and really getting serious about fishing here in colorado it, it became very apparent that patterns changed really really rapidly you know and and i was working with chad lachance and he'd been guiding for several years on horse teeth before i started guiding up there and He'd talk about the way things would change, and, 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 and I might talk to him one, one weekend about how the fishing was the previous week and go out there and try to repeat those things, especially this time of year, and everything would be completely different, Terry. Those fish that, that he was catching the week before had moved. So I, I really learned to try, to try to understand where the fish are going to, and, and a lot of days it's about kind of getting out in front of the fish kind of getting to the areas that you think they're moving to and fishing your way back to where they're coming from. That way you're not behind the fish trying to catch up with them. You're in front of the fish and kind of coming back to them, Terry. And, and that's an important tip right there. You know, one of the other things to mention is we have 
dramatically different bodies of water here in the state. So take a lake like Horsetooth, for example. The water is going up like crazy right now in that in that lake, and that tends to put the water up and around some of the bushes and the trees that grow along the shoreline in that lake. But that lake doesn't have a lot of aquatic vegetation, and it really doesn't have a whole lot of terrestrial vegetation that grows in on those lower water levels. And, you know, when you get to a lake like Boyd, there's a whole bunch of aquatic vegetation that's, that's going to be under the water as the water goes up. And there's banks and banks of the terrestrial vegetation that's grown in. And so you really got to understand that each lake is different. And as the water gets up and starts to flood these lakes, you're flooding different types of vegetation. You're flooding different types of structure as far as the rocks and the cover and things like that. And you really have to adapt your presentations to the particular lakes as well as the time of year and the water levels, Terry. Let me take you through a couple scenarios. Let's just say you're going to go fish. This It's going to be decent weather yet most of the day today. We could get some rain showers tomorrow, but this storm isn't really moving in until um, probably Sunday night at the, the moors. So we're going to have some frontal activity and things, but probably decent weather. If you were going to horse tooth with this rising water, how would you approach it today or tomorrow? Well, I'd definitely be covering water. So I'd be working presentations like crankbaits, jerkbaits, um, maybe snap jigging uh, tube jigs, but relatively heavy tube jigs and, and working them pretty fast through the water column. I'd be looking at maybe working some swim baits as well. And I would be really trying to determine you know, where the fish are, are going to right now. Up in there, they're, they spawn, you know, in, in the same areas every single year. So it's no big secret where the fish like to spawn. Um, but they tend to winter out in the, in the bases of a lake. And this time of year, they're going to be somewhere in between those two things. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at different banks. And I'm going to look at the, the steepness or the slope of the banks. And I'm not going to necessarily go out there and fish stuff that looks the same until I start catching fish. Once I start catching fish, if I'm catching them on a 45-degree bank that's got medium chunk rock, then I'm going to run around the lake and look for those 45-degree banks that have the chunk rock. If I'm catching them on flatter banks that tend to be more of a mix of gravel and dirt, then I'm going to run around the lake and look for those areas as well. Um, the other thing I'm going to pay attention to this time of year on horse tooth is water temperatures can vary throughout the lake dramatically. The north end of the lake can be warmer than the middle parts of the lake, and the very southern end of the lake can be very warm as well. But th that lake is an interesting lake when you're trying to track down the water temperatures because we have water coming in. It swirls around. The water that is coming in tends to be very cold. And then, you know, they could be pulling water out of the lake as well. So you get current that happens on the lake. You get weird areas that will be colder, weird areas that will be warmer. And it can be a swing of six or seven degrees, Terry. And this time of year, I can tell you, especially if you're looking for a smallmouth, 50-degree water temperature and 57-degree water temperature, there's a big difference there. And those fish are really looking to be in that warmer water this time of year so i'm going to try to find the water warmer water i'm going to try to find the banks and determine what style of bank or rock these fish are on and then i'm going to run that pattern all around the lake looking for that now if i was going to boyd we're going to get this cold weather i'm not going to get out this weekend let's say but by wednesday it's going to start warming up you think the water is probably going to be flowing into boyd by next week so let's say let's hypothetically say we can look into the future and 
next weekend, Boyd is on a warming trend and the water is starting to come up fairly substantially. How do you approach that differently than what you did at Horsetooth? Well, Boyd, as that water starts to come up, it's going to start flooding onto that terrestrial grass. So there's quite a bit of grass around the lake that's grown in as the water's been low, and that water's going to get up on that grass. Now, now timing the fishing around that grass is important, Terry. When that water first starts making it up onto that terrestrial stuff, the stuff that's not really designed to grow underwater, those fish will get up on those edges of that terrestrial grass and they'll get up in there and feed on some of the bugs and some of the, some of the rodents and mice and things like that that are up in that stuff. And, and the smaller fish now have some coverage to get into. If you fast forward that just as little as maybe two or three weeks down the line, a lot of that terrestrial grass starts to die off, Terry. And so you may go through, you know, that first week when that stuff starts to flood and, and really hammer a whole bunch of fish, walleye, trout, smallmouth, largemouth, they'll all be up in that stuff. You come back a couple of weeks later and that green grass that had grown in is starting to yellow. Now it's releasing some gases off of it, and those fish tend to vacate those areas, and you'll struggle to catch fish. So it's really about timing that. It's about understanding, you know, what these fish are doing. And the bass are all kind of moving towards their spawning areas this time of year. So I tend to start looking at some of those funnel areas, some of those areas that are kind of feeding into the flats where these fish are going to spawn. And I'll start to fish, you know, that initial drop-off areas as you come off some of those flats right when the water starts to come up and then start looking in around their spawning areas here in a few weeks. And then the aquatic vegetation tends to start growing in as these fish start to spawn. And then the bite sort of turns to that aquatic vegetation once it grows in. So that's kind of the deal on Boyd. It's, it's a little bit about doing that. I'll tell you this as well, Terry. I was just on Boyd a few days back. And we were struggling to catch fish. The smallmouth were relatively easy, but it just tends to be that there's not a lot of cover in the lake right now. And so we were looking at a lot of the gravel bottoms and things like that and catching smallmouth. Um, We switched to some of the deeper gravel, and I started dragging some stuff around and was having no problems at all catching walleyes on boy doing that. Uh, I had about a you know ten thousand boats trolling in and around me, Terry, as I was doing it, and I didn't see a, fi- a single fish landed by any of those people that were trolling right in and around me, looking for walleyes as well. Um, some days, you know, it's all about kind of figuring that out. And if you're not catching them trolling, you're not catching them on moving baits and presentations. It may be that these fish are pinned to the bottom, and you got to get out there and drag something real slow, Terry. And that was the case on Boyd just a few days back. All right, Ronnie, we are out of time, but thank you for joining us so much and great information as always. And you and I have to get on the water here very soon, my friend. Well, Terry, you know, you you set a dangerous precedent last week when you did just radio show from Florida. And so, you know, I don't know how often you're going to be around nowadays if they're going to let you travel the world and call in from your beaches and do your radio show, Terry. Hey, these are the sacrifices I make to report to our listeners on conditions all over the world. I can't confine myself. I've got you guys watching it here. I mean, somebody has to go check it out. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Willing to make that sacrifice, Ronnie. (laughs) It's tough to line up a trip with a nomad, Terry. It's it's difficult to schedule that when you could be in Florida or Texas or Hawaii. So uh, why don't you let me know when you're around and I'll take you out. Oh, all right, my friend. We will do that, I promise. Thank all you, right, Ronnie. have a good one, buddy. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione with Fishful Thinker. Hey, we'll take a quick time out, and we come back. We'll uh, 
wrap up the outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to wrap up today's show. Join us, you know, every Saturday from 9 to 11 for Outdoors. If you're into fishing, boy, you got a lot of great information on this show. Uh, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. You know, a lot of what we talked about on, on the fishing today is on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. We've got probably 150 episodes up there. Some of them are travel episodes where we've traveled all over the world, but about half of them were filmed right here in your backyard, and they give you a lot of great tips. Follow us on Facebook. I'm going to post a lot of the podcasts that we from what we did because we had a lot of great information on our Facebook page this uh during this week and is dan jacobs in studio why do you speak in the past tense is that because you're so old like you talk about all these things you did in the past like these great shows you used to do like we did these great shows back in the day you're still a young man terry you still got a lot of life ahead of you don't worry about it man well, but you know all right well you know I, you can take your take on but i was just gonna say something about yeah. facebook that yeah. there's a rumor there's a rumor that karen is going to post our trivia this week on Facebook, that means next week there'll be a giveaway. Yes. And I know that being being the king of trivia, yes, sir. you probably don't even need to see that. But... No, I don't need to cheat like the listeners. Oh, cheat. <laughs> you know, using the resources at your command, like fact-checking the things you say on the air, isn't cheating. Okay. I'm just such a wealth of knowledge. I don't need, I don't, you know, they, they may need to leg up. I don't need it. Like, for example, last time well, I was on, when I put, when, uh, you know, Terry and the Rattlers was playing and I just nailed it, you know, like that. Yeah, it wasn't, it was just, yeah, all right. Um, so follow us on Facebook. Karen is going to post a trivia answer online that will be used in our question next week. And that's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Now, I do have some questions. I have a couple of things, right? Overall, you and I didn't get to talk because we were going in opposite directions. How do you feel about the Broncos draft? Just overall, quick comment. I, I do like what they did in the first round. That's all, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. So you're, you're not upset they didn't go after a quarterback. Fields was there. You know, a lot of other people passed on him, too. They must have felt there was a reach or that they had something better coming or that they're happy with the competition they have. I don't know. Are you getting any feedback? Well, yeah, Cecil and I hosted last Saturday. He didn't like it when I called Justin Fields a franchise killer. I think, I, I think that's what he is. He'll set back the Bears two to five years. He's not an NFL quarterback. Uh, the fact of the matter is they refuse to get into a position year after year uh, to get one of the top quarterbacks, except for the year they passed on Josh Allen. So they'll suffer the consequences for that. I can't fault George Payton for not reaching for one of the crappy quarterbacks that was left over. So I can't fault him for that. I can fault them for never being in a position or screwing up the one year they were in a position to get a real quarterback, but you don't overreach just because you're not in position. Well, you know, in the NFL though, it's hard to rebuild as we say to tear down because you still have professional players that want to win. And if you have a few good players, you know, you've got to really be terrible to get in that position. And then there has to be a good quarterback coming out. You can get in that position and there might not be one. Well, I'll tell you what, the Jaguars were in the AFC Championship game, I believe, three years ago. They made a conscious effort because DMAC says, oh, you can't choose when you suck. Well, yeah, you can. I can tell you 
Um, the Jaguars ran the AFC Championship game, I believe, three years ago. Now they have Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be back. Um, the, the, you know, the, the Bengals have Joe Burrow. The Browns got Baker Mayfield. These are all teams that now have their quarterbacks. The Broncos, with John Elway in their win-now mode, are, you know, they're, they're, let's get back to mediocre. Yay! They're never going to get a quarterback unless they get serious about getting in a position to find one. Well, we'll see what happens. I have to close the show up so people can listen to your scintillating conversation. On By the way, real quick, friend. and I know we're going to go over, I was glad to see you're endorsing Lake Mack. We're taking a drive tomorrow. My wife is from those parts. We might go to my daughter needs hours to get her license. I think we're going to Ogallala. So I was glad to hear you endorsing Lake McConaughey. They've actually been a partner of the show off and on for about four or five years. Oh, awesome. A great place to go. It's and a great I've town. Done, it's a great and, place to go. And if you go to my YouTube channel, I have several shows that were filmed there that you can go look at. Right, uh, uh, there's four shows where Terry c- catches no fish but takes plenty of pictures and video with other people's fish. Check it out on YouTube. All right. That's enough. We'll let you go. That's the best. I'm fired up today, Terry. Terry. We'll, there's no stopping me for we'll, the next 90 we'll, minutes. I can't be controlled. We'll, we'll be wrapping this up. He's already going to complain. I took his time because he wouldn't be quiet. But thanks for joining us. We're here every Saturday from 9 to 11. Thanks to Karen for putting this all together. Kyle for keeping us on the air. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and some kind of sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.